hope everybody's all right. I hope you're bracing yourself for the weather that's ahead. <laughs> we, yes. For who? Dara. Dara? Sister Dara? All right, Brother Dave, will you lead us out and let's pray for Sister Dara. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we bring before you Sister Dara, Lord. She is somewhat limited, Lord, with uh, physically, Lord, but you are able to raise her up, Lord. You are able to revive her, Lord. You are able to restore her, Lord. You are well able, Father, to grant her healing, Lord, and grant her strength because her heart is filled with desire, Lord, to be here in the house of God with the saints of God. And we miss her, Lord, as we pray. Pray that you will bless her, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyhow, welcome uh, again. Uh, we left off uh, with the questionnaire. Uh, we'd like to also welcome those who are joining us by uh, via social media. And as well, uh, as always, I must greet my Macedonian friends and uh, tell them, Dobre doste na nasio program, nasio živ prenos, naučenete na svedato pismo, da ve Bog blagoslovi. We are going to pick up uh, our question. We left off at uh, question uh, seven, so we're going to go to question number eight. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verses uh, 20 to 24. Uh, it's Paul's focus. And qu question number eight asks, what does Paul indicate about his aspiration and goals in preaching the gospel. Brother Dave, yes, please. Um, in uh, verse 20, he says that his ambition is to preach the gospel which Christ is not known. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boy, a lot could be said here, huh? Yeah. But they've never had the gospel explained to them. Mm. It's one thing to hear about some Jewish guy dying on the cross, but it's another thing to have uh, someone sit you down and explain it, uh, you know, in detail of what, what it actually means to the sinner. You know, uh, a lot of people just don't know the details. Uh, exactly. So, That was exactly my thought about uh, uh, we each have our own mission field. It starts from our immediate family. I mean, this church could not, we would have to get something three size if, if we, if each one of us brought the whole family in. I, I'm, I'm a, uh, I believe that the Bible tells me if I 
Just like Paul told the jailer, he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your whole family. I believe the family is, is going to come in, but uh, it's going to be God that's going to bring him in. But like I said, we all have our own little missions and they could, uh, we don't have to go to Africa. It's as close as across the street or next block. So there's always a mission field. Anybody else on question number uh, eight? All right, let's go to question number nine. What has prevented Paul from visiting the believers in Rome? Yes, Sister Elizabeth. Paul said he didn't want to build on someone else's foundation. So he wanted to come in to people at clean slate. And I think it was in part because, you know, the spreading of the gospel was just so new. You know, people knew about Judaism and stuff, but Christ and what he did, what he did for us and everything like that was extremely new. And the way that they were spreading it was new. And I think he wanted to make sure that people were getting correct information and not misinformation. So he figured if he came in first, there wouldn't be any kind of confusion. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sister Elizabeth. Anybody else? Paul would eventually get to Rome, but only to stand trial before Nero. Nero agreed uh, with the courts of Jerusalem and had Paul executed. However, while being dragged back and forth from Jerusalem in, to Rome, while in Rome, he brought many citizens to accept Jesus' saving grace. Question number 10. For further study, what do the following passages tell about former hindrances that Paul experienced as he sought to carry out his plans. Now, may I say here before I have somebody respond that uh, this is not uh, uh, something that we will not encounter resistance. The enemy will work over time, but as long as we persevere, we can still reach people for Christ. And so from this step, uh, this uh, question here what do the following passages tell about former hindrances that Paul experienced as he sought to carry out his plans yes that's very true Well, we certainly don't want to <laughs> don't want to go anywhere or do anything against the will of God. That's for sure. That that would be ludicrous. From the very first chapter of Romans, Paul writes, "Now I would have, uh, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but I was left." Hitherto, 
that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among the Gentiles. Does anybody have any other passages about any other former hindrances about Paul? Or are we good on that question? All right, let us go to, let us go to question number 11. How did Paul convey to the Romans the sincerity of his desire to see them? Yes. He stated that he longed to visit. It was something that had been on his heart for a while, but God had other plans for him. It was different from what he wanted. So he, while he was longing for that visit, he was waiting patiently for God to be like, okay, we can go there now. Amen. I don't know about you, but um, where I was uh, born, we couldn't travel. Uh, either we could travel either by foot or horse and buggy. I go that far back. Trust me. <laughs> and yet, we would walk for an hour to visit relatives. And now, we can't even jump in the car and drive 15 minutes drive to visit somebody. That, that kind of makes me mad that I am a victim of. But my brother, he lives about, you know, 40 minutes away from, but I haven't seen him in about two years. Uh, the last time I saw him, I, I was helping him with, uh, with some kind of a project uh, in the bathroom. And, but it's so easy to jump somewhere and go visit somebody nowadays. And yet, we just can't seem to find. I assure you, that wasn't Paul's problem. He wanted to go. But there was other work in the ministry that prevented him. Anyhow, any more uh, on this uh, last question about Paul's desire to go see the Romans. We go to number 12 then. What purposes did Paul have in mind for his visit? Go ahead, Sister Elizabeth. Well, he wanted to go there, first of all, to visit. That was a big reason. There was a lot of people that he knew who were residing in Rome, who meant you know, a lot to his heart because he had worked with them in the spreading of the gospel and during his time in ministry. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to be able to revisit with those people who were important to him. But also he was looking for assistance to, you know, and also being able to further his ministry and continue on in his journey. And he knew that the people who were in Rome would be able to assist him in that process. He knew that they would be willing to give and serve and help. Yes, Brother Dave. And uh, to add on to what uh, Sister Elizabeth said, uh, he also wanted to enjoy their company for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He wanted to go there. Uh, and maybe some of the people that he knew there wanted to hang out with him for a bit. So we're cultured preachers, doctors, mm -hmm. yeah. creators of, of testimony. Mm -hmm. Amen. And, and, uh, and as 
Yeah, I agree with that. Amen. I uh, I got three things written here. First of all, he wanted to impart some spiritual gift. Isn't that something? I mean, do you see how unselfish he is? And we. I don't know about you, but I uh, uh, I see my sister uh, quite often because the bakery uh, that she owns is real close to my house. I could walk there, as a matter of fact. It's about three long blocks. But last time I was at her house, uh, I shared the gospel of Christ and the, you know the the crucifixion of Jesus and all that. And the poor woman, every time I, I, I get going speaking about Christ, she just begins to kind of shake with, you know, excitement. And, um, but I love sharing uh, the gospel uh, with my family. And uh, especially when they have some uh, real down-to-earth questions. My niece wanted to know uh, about, you know, homosexuality. And I, uh, I said, her, her name is Radmila, which is Rad for short. I said, I could answer that real quick, you know, with no, no problem, but that wouldn't be very wise. And I go, that's because you are in the medical field and you understand a lot of things. And so I could have given a simple answer to her and say, well, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, okay? That's what most of, you might want to call ignorant people, give us a response. And then by the grace of God, I was able to explain to her how that homosexuality is a sin. I can't go into details because it was already rather a lengthy witness to her, but do you see what I'm saying where we need to be uh, led by the Spirit of God and uh, have our homework ready, so to speak, by studying the Bible and this is why I enjoy this so much right here. We learn things here. And we learn better how to share the gospel of Christ. Paul wanted also to give, to receive comfort, number two. And number three, Paul wanted to be able to bear some fruit there. And Paul, and number four, Paul wanted to go visit Rome in order to preach the gospel. That was his four, 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 foremost reason he wanted to go there. 
Well, we're cruising along here, and uh, we're going to go to Romans chapter 15, verses 25 to, 20, to 29, giving and receiving. Question number 13, what practical purpose was leading Paul to Jerusalem? This was a, this was a, yes, Sister Elizabeth. He wanted to share aid with the poor that was donated to him by people in uh, Macedonia. And I'm sorry, I'm not sure how to pronounce the other place. But there was two places, Macedonia and another place. And people had willingly given for the poor of Jerusalem, as we're called to do, seeing as us Christians are grafted into the tree of Judaism. We're supposed to share our wealth with them as they share their spiritual wealth with us. So he was coming to deliver that. Praise God, Amen. That's that's very true. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, when I prepare my lesson, I have a, I answer every question, and this is exactly what I uh, wrote here to bring aid to the poor saints in Jerusalem. Anybody else would like to say something about this? We're good. All right. Um, question number fourteen. What does Paul suggest regarding the Gentile churches? A. This is twofold question. Under A, we have attitude. Who would like to? Brother, go ahead, Brother Dave, please. Amen. Anybody else under A, the, the attitude part? Uh, being blessed with the spiritual and materially was a fitting expression of fellowship with the Jerusalem converts, with the Jewish converts. Under B, we have responsibility. Brother Aaron. Minister to their spiritual needs and material needs. Mm -hmm. And they did both. They were ministering to spiritual things and material things. Amen. Yes. I just kind of had a thought um, based off of the question and, and what Brother Ernie was saying. It was how they said that Christians were grafted into the tree of Judaism. It the way that this situation worked out as, as Paul was describing it kind of reminds me of how we're called to do things within the church. So like if one of us is in need, the church is, the whole entire church is supposed to come together and provide for that person in need, to support them in whatever way they need, spiritually, emotionally, you know, whatever it is, we're supposed to do it. And this was like a really early example and uh, the starting of the blueprint Amen. for how we're supposed to behave as a church. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, brother. You know, thinking about our needs, our spiritual needs. 
Mm -hmm. One chap that said, another story about blind Bartimaeus. Sometimes something we kind of skim over. said he was sitting by the roadside and heard Jesus was coming that way. And he said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And, and Jesus says, what does he want? And they said, bring him over here. And Jesus looked at him and said, it says Peter, he threw off his coat and ran to Jesus. And how many times when we've been in blindness, whether it's spiritual or whatever, we haven't thrown off our coat and ran to Jesus. He threw down his coat and ran to Jesus, and he says, what do you want? Lord, I want to see. And how many times do we need to do that as Christians? Lord, I'm in a blind spot. I can't see what's going on here. I need to see. And if we'll run to Jesus like he did, I can just see him, a blind guy. Now, get this, he's running towards Jesus. He really needed it. And, and the Lord said, didn't see. And he, he saw. Sometimes we need that. When we're in a blindness area, the enemy will put us in some blindness area, and we need to throw our coat off and say, Jesus, I need help, and run to Jesus. Yes, Sister Elizabeth. Brother Randall, can you hear me again? It was funny that he says that, because I had a situation a couple of weeks back that's kind of similar to along with what he was saying. I was in prayer, and um, I was talking to Jesus, and I'm, I remember telling him, I was like, I can't do this, you know, I don't know how to handle this, I can't do this, it's too much for me, mm. I can't do this, and I heard very clearly and distinctly, then don't, it's not yours to handle, and I'm like, heard you loud and clear, I'm, I'm done, I'm, I give up, <laughs> I'll follow you, whatever you tell me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if you uh, uh, could go back, I'd probably... You won't see me request prayer very much on Messenger in our church group. Mm -hmm. But lately, I've been texting uh, messages saying, Church, would you pray for me, please? I don't take that lightly. I don't take that lightly at all. I am very grateful for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And when I send messenger uh, a message to a messenger to ask for prayer uh, and I do it because I have total confidence that you will be offering yes. prayers to God on my behalf mm -hmm. and that's why I believe along with you uh, for those who are not aware by uh, everybody should be aware here that I've been going through a bout of depression, mm -hmm. and uh, I try to, <laughs> uh, I try to, you know, not <laughs> walk around like Eeyore, of course, you know, uh, that, <laughs> and in, in general you would know it, but in my uh, moments uh, alone, uh, I, I I battle depression right now mm -hmm. and um, however I've asked the Lord for a change I, I've been praying for a change for a long time and uh, uh, as I was praying uh, uh, at St. Paul's Cathedral which is a church uh, close by my house it's a big church it's a, a Catholic it's church in no it's in uh, 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 Sh Shore Lake Drive, uh, Lakeshore Drive, in Gross Point Shores. Mm -hmm. It's between uh, 
just on the other side of Seven Mile as you're going west. But it's a big place, and uh, there, is a, there is a garden over there with, you know, where you could go pray, but it's being worked on. So I just, you know, adopted this uh, bench where I would come and uh, been praying there at least five times a week. I would drive down there and pray. But uh, and uh, uh, this is uh, what it's needed in these last days because we are living in the last days. Yes. And prayer is very important. Uh, prayer is very crucial. And uh, uh, this is what the change I was, uh, besides other things, prayer was number one priority on my list because as a whole, I felt like I don't pray enough. And if you remember the incident uh, of, of our Lord uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he continually urged him, pray. Prior to that, he told his disciples, men are always praying, not faint. And so, I'm not saying I never prayed before. I have done a lot of praying in my life. But I have done more praying in the last three months than I've ever done prior in, a, in that shorter period. I go there every day. And then on top of that, I, I say prayers at home. Because I don't know about you, but I sense the urgency of the coming of the Lord. I mean, we don't. We we are we are told to keep an eye on the olive tree, which is Jerusalem. And as I mentioned last week, the uh, media was so quick to tell the world how Israel got caught sleeping, and they were totally unaware of the attack of the enemy that had been planning bef before their uh, noses, so to speak. And it took him quite by surprise. And as a result, as I mentioned last week, uh, so many people lost their lives, over 1,000 people, and then 300 or over people were taken hostage. Well, the Bible tells us that well, Israel was caught off guard. And we are told we are not the children of darkness. We are the children of light. That that hour should take us or overtake us or take us by surprise as the Israelis were taken by surprise. Mm -hmm. No, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Yes. And he is going to. He's going to speak to our hearts and let us know that the time of the Lord's coming is at hand. I believe that. I believe that. And in these last days, he's speaking to the churches. In the church, there's wise virgins and there's foolish virgins. But the wise virgins knew that the Lord is coming. Glory to God. I don't know why I'm going with, but the Lord knows. 
the, the coming of the Lord is soon, a lot sooner than mo most people think. Mm -hmm. But the admonition from our Lord is, be ye ready for in such a, thing, yes. a time that ye think not yes. the Son of Man cometh. The wise virgins heard the midnight cry. By the grace and the spirit of the living God, we will hear that cry prior to the Lord's coming. I hear it now. Why do you think we're, we're, we're summoned to prayer? So much the more is as you see the day approaching, fellowship and prayer. And so the cry was made, the bridegroom comes. The sad thing is, there were 10 foolish virgins, 10 wise virgins. Let us be on the, the, the wise virgins that the Bible speaks of. The foolish virgins were left behind. We, cannot, we are not the children of darkness that that hour should overtake us, the Bible says. And it shouldn't even catch us by surprise. I'll give you a, a story of Brother Garcia, our missionary who has been quite some time now gone with, to be with the Lord. But he traveled a lot of countries. And a lot of times when he got back home, he didn't know, he just gave approximate time. And it, he usually... Is in a big airport, he says, and it seems like every time that people look for me to, to find me what gate I'm on, uh, and they, while they're searching here and there, guess what? He says, my wife stands right there when I get out of the door, and there she is. His wife knew where to go <laughs> to, to greet her husband coming back, and this is why the church should be like that. And I believe that by the grace of God and by the Spirit of the Lord, we will know when that midnight cry has been made. The Lord cometh. Amen. The bridegroom cometh. I'm sorry. Amen. Uh, like I said, praise God. Uh, that, there's no charge for that. Let's see. Where did we leave off? Number 15, what can we learn from the situation about our own attitude towards giving? We were talking about the uh, uh, saints of Rome contributing to the needs of the Jewish converts. Sister Elizabeth, please. So what can we learn from this situation about our own attitude towards giving? Simply put, when we receive from God in abundance, we should share in abundance. Who are we to selfishly covet what God so graciously and willingly and quickly shared with us? Who are we? Who are we? We should be willing to share everything that we have just as willingly as he is to share everything he has. Mm -hmm. And he's given us the ultimate gift of his son. That That's, that's more precious than all the money and, and jewels and gold or anything that you could possibly want in this world. What is any of that without salvation? So if he's willing to share this beautiful 
you know, his beautiful riches with us, Jesus, we should be willing to share anything that we have. And as it says in the Bible that anything that, you know, if we give and we give graciously and we give openly and we give happily, mm-hmm. God will give back. Oh, yeah. So when you're sitting there going, ooh, you know, this is going to be a lot of money. I don't really have that. Well, no, you don't, but God does. So if you give, just give. Just have, have belief and faith that he's going to return it to you. And usually when he returned it to you, he returned it to you better than you gave it. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. You're sitting there worrying about your, your little, you know, your pennies when he's trying to give you a $50 bill. It's all about perspective. And also, you know, you know. It's, it's it, true. It's very true. And it, and it also comes back to that whole doing unto others as you have done unto you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were in need, if you were struggling, if you were having a hard time paying your bills or putting food on the table to feed your children or whatever the struggle is, providing Christmas, it doesn't really matter. You would want somebody to help you. So mm-hmm. if you would want people to come to you, you know, and, and be willing to share with you, then you would be willing to share with other people because... You know, most people aren't going to share with you, though. So you have to lead by example. Praise God. My wife says, where's the money? I go, what money? You know what money. I had you return some bottles. Where's the money? I go, I don't have it. She goes, what would you do with it now? I said, well, there was a man begging on the street by a light, and I gave it to him. She goes, I'm not surprised. (laughs) I mean, he's standing there. It's just short of him yelling at me. Well, are you going to give me that bottle money? That's that's what I heard. (laughs) Anyway, there wasn't much. It was like $7 or $7 or $8, but go ahead, Brother Ernie. Yes. Half of them says didn't trim their ornaments. They, the bridegroom came. They didn't have any prayer. Prayer, did they? And what does it mean for us to trim our lamps with oil? Pray more. Pray more. Read our God bless you, brother Ernie. Glory to God. Then we'll be ready. Otherwise, we're going to be like those virgins that ran out of oil. Oh, there comes the bridegroom. Well, guess what? I don't have any oil in my lamp. Thank you, brother. That was really good. I'm glad you share that. Brother Bob? Yes, sir. All ten of them are virgins. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But they were classified, too. Yeah. They were classified as all virgins, and yet ten of them was, were wise, and the other ten were foolish. Glory to God. I believe that the prayers of the saints ascend before God as the incense ascended unto him from the uh, offerings. I believe that with all my heart. Yes, sir. Please, brother, Dave, share it with us. Yes, amen. Which uh, tells me that 
we should seek to remain full of the Holy Spirit and not mm-hmm. you know, every chance we get to be refilled or yeah. to be you know filled by His Spirit, you know, that we should spend you know through prayer, through yeah. study, through personal consecration, um, especially as we mentioned, as we see the days approaching. So much the more as we see a day approaching. You know, that scripture speaks about the fellowship, but it could be applied in this as well. That uh, we should have fellowship, uh, close fellowship with one another as we see that they're approaching, meaning the nearing of the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but also the prayer aspect of it. As we should be more earnest with our prayers, as a matter of fact, uh, I uh, complimented Brother Dave last week uh, in the beginning of of my lesson how that uh, we need need to be praying in the Spirit. I appreciate Brother Dave. You'll find him praying in the Spirit. You'd, he's usually walking around and praying in the Spirit. This is something that... Um, is is very very essential, especially now, as the scripture now has taken over. Uh, that uh, as we see the day approaching, and the day that day is near, my friends, and my brothers and sisters. Where did we leave off? What question are we on? Fifteen. Fifteen. We are on question number sixteen. Uh, what insight about prayer can you draw from Paul's request? Yes. Um, when I was reading through uh, what they're talking about, Romans fifteen thirty through 33, um, what I got from it was that prayer it doesn't need to be flowery and long-winded. Um, that it can be very simple and straight to the point. And I think that sometimes, as Christians, we can sometimes get lost in the theatrics of prayer. Instead of focusing more on the message that we're trying to convey to God and then waiting for him to respond, mm-hmm. we're, worried, we're more worried about how does this sound? Are we putting enough you know, of the word Lord in there? Are we putting in enough of the, you know, uh, the praise and stuff. And, and while he loves all that stuff, he, he wants us to come to him honestly. So if in that moment, your heart is just saying, why? Why are you spending 15 minutes being flowery and beating around the bush? He would rather you just look up and go, what's going on, dude? I'm lost. He would really rather you do that than spend 15 minutes just beating around. You know, and, and I think that was the point that I got from it was that you know, well, there is a place, a time and a place for those beautiful, long, flowery prayers, but not every prayer has to look that way. Sometimes prayers can be <coughs> messy, and that's okay, because at the end of the day, God would rather have us talking to him and having it be a little bit of a messy conversation than having us think that we can't depend on him or thinking that we can do it on our own. So. Wow, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Do you see what she's trying to say here? And of course, uh, 
I was waiting for her to say, you don't have to throw all the D's and dows and oh. dime and all that. <laughs> the very, very prayer from the heart of the sinner that Jesus talked about, he said, Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me. Is that right? Well, did God hear him? Jesus testified of the man. This man will be justified rather than this Pharisee that said, thank God I am you know, pious and holy and I'm not as this. Do you see what she's saying here? I mean, this is very true. And I've always been a promoter of the simplicity of the gospel. That's because Paul put it that way to the Corinthians, I believe. Brethren, I beg you, as the serpent beguiled Eve, so she beguiled you to, this, to depart from the simplicity that is in Christ. People frustrate the gospel with complexities. The gospel is simple. That's why Jesus got mad at his disciples. He said, suffer the little children who come to me. For of such is the kingdom of God. Thank you, sister, for sharing that. I would rather say two words from my, two or three words from my heart. Lord, make that four. Lord, have mercy on me. Rather than that Pharisee that said, I'm not like him and all that. Or I'm not like so and so and so and so paying my tithes, I give in the offering and all that. Brother Dave, you want to say something, please? Yeah, I wanted to add to something I, I see here in verse 30. Sure. Uh, let me read verse 30 real quick. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle. When we pray for others, we join them in their struggle. We, ah. we carry part of their burden. That's Paul why I said Paul, Paul uh, wasn't thinking, you know, well, sometimes uh, you'll ask someone to, to pray for me. Oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And you don't have a whole lot of confidence that they're even going to remember you when they go to God in prayer. You know, but uh, Paul's saying here that we join in the, someone else's struggle, someone else's burden when we go to not just a, a nice thing to say. It's not like a, a form of uh, 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 you know, uh, a form of greeting or a form of saying goodbye. You know, I'll pray for you. Right. No, it, it, this is something, it's, it's something serious. It, 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 Paul's serious about it because it really works. Amen. I mean, uh, Amen. don't take it lightly. You know, I don't feel like I can do much for that person. You know, I don't have any money. I don't do this. Don't take prayer so lightly. Yeah, uh, take it seriously because prayer is, what is the number one best thing you can do for another human being. Amen. So, uh, well, this is exactly what I said. I don't. When I requested prayer on, <laughs> when I request prayer on Messenger, I told you earlier. I don't take it lightly. I, uh, I, I. I I, be I believe 
in you guys that you will join me in this struggle of mine, like Dave said. And you'll get down there and say, Lord, I come before you on behalf of Brother Bob. He's going through a depression. And you begin to almost feel that when you pray for somebody. Glory to God. Prayer, prayer, the oil that Brother Dave mentioned earlier, Sister Elizabeth. And I just kind of had a thought that, you know, one of the most beautiful things about prayer, too, is that it's, it's absolutely free. It costs you nothing. What is it but a few seconds of your time? You don't have to pay your internet bill to talk to God. You don't <laughs> need a cell phone bill to talk to God. Praise you, God. You could be in... You could be in your bathroom taking a shower talking to God. You could be at the foot of your bed talking mm -hmm. to God. You could be mm -hmm. in the jail cell talking to God. You could be on your deathbed at the hospital talking to God. That's the glory of it is that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, nobody can take that line from you. Even if, even if something was to happen where they were to say Christianity is illegal, well, guess what? They can't stop you from praying in your mind. No. You could be shopping for your groceries. Praying to God. Come on. Yes. Yes. Amen. Stopping you. It takes a moment of your time. And for the people who say when, when they, you know, kind of like what he was talking about, you know, I'll pray for you and, you know, people might forget. Well, I would tell you when you tell somebody that you're going to pray for them, do it right then. Don't wait till later. That prayer doesn't need to wait until your nighttime prayer before bed. If somebody asks you to pray for them, like, you know, if you put something in the chat and you're, you ask for prayer, I don't wait until later that night when I'm at the foot of my bed or laying down under my blankets to say my prayer for you, I see that come across at 2.30 in the afternoon. Guess what I'm doing at 2.30 in the afternoon? Taking two minutes of my time to send that prayer out. Praise God. And it, Praise it costs God. you nothing. And Amen. taking that time throughout the day to put a minute here, a minute there, and letting those small little prayers happen, even if it's just, God, please bless and cover Brother Bob with whatever he's struggling with today. Amen. It takes you less than a minute. And it increases your prayer life. And as you're moving forward with those small prayers, they can become more complicated or they can stay simple. You know, but it's going to encourage your prayers. Uh -huh. And if you have children, pray in front of them too. Offer them oh, prayer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My daughter's not shy to ask me to pray for her. It doesn't matter what she's dealing with. She'll say to me, Mom, I feel insecure about this. Can you, can you pray with me about this? And I will sit down with her and pray with her before bed. And I'll lead her in prayer because that's my duty as her mother. And when we have, you know, if we as Christians are going to be raising up the next generation of Christians, we need to keep that idea in our mind that prayer can happen anywhere, at any time, under any circumstances, no matter what's going on. Right. And you always have time for it. Never tell somebody you don't have time and don't tell yourself you don't. You've always got time. And uh, Sister uh, Elizabeth had a good thought there. And <coughs> I'd just like to uh, add on to that list. <laughs> you don't have to be talented. No, you don't. You don't have to be except exceptionally uh, intelligent. Mm -mm. You don't have to be rich. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a theological degree. No. All you have to do is have a heart for God mm -hmm. and for others. Yeah. That's all you need to, uh, to be able to have an effective prayer. It's just the heart to do so. Wasn't it a part, wasn't it a psalmist David that, uh, how did that scripture go? I, I, 
He said, I, when I prayed for someone, I took it upon my heart as though I was praying for my mother. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about or not? But, uh, yes. That is very good. Thank you for sharing that. The uh, who know uh, who remembers uh, Brother Nordy that sit back there with uh, yep. he was a truck driver, and uh, there was another uh, uh, brother Danny's. Uh, what is he? Brother Danny's. Uh, His name was Ed. Pat's brother. He got woken up in the middle of the night, like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And he said, the Lord woke me up and he told me to pray for Nordy. Nordy is a truck driver. And so Brother Ed immediately got out of the bed, hit the knees and and started praying to the Lord, and next thing you know, he is praying to God, saying, Lord, rib him, rib him. When he testified of this, I was very, uh, you know, I'm not a truck driver. I don't know what rib him means. Well, if you're a truck driver, you know. And so rib means that if you veer off your lane mm -hmm. to the right, and there's these... What do you call them? Brother Nordy had fallen asleep behind the wheel. And so that's why he hit the knee and started praying, rib him. And when, for some reason, he was going pretty good asleep. And next thing you know, his truck is going, you know, and woke him up steer back in the lane but this is so crucial right here to be prompted of the spirit of God 
to praise somebody because the Spirit of God is revealing to you some kind of urgency. You know what I'm saying? This is wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure we all have our situations. Uh, my friend, Dwayne Winters, sister, Wolf knows him, and uh, Sister Stella knows him. He had the same experience. He was prompted to pray for some person in the church that he knew. And uh, when it was all said and done, he found out on that very time that he prayed for them or for her uh, that there was a family altercation. And one of the uh, uh, persons um, had a shotgun. And that's why Dwayne was prompted to go hit the floor and pray. And no harm was done with no, to nobody except the wall. But you see, this is, this is great to be prompted of the Spirit. Lord, Holy Ghost, prompt me whenever, whenever you see this kind of situation arising. This is wonderful. We could go on all night with this. So where do we leave off again? 17. 17. No, 16. You guys, what insights of prayer did you draw from Paul's request? Did we? Oh, that was it right there. Huh? What did Paul's prayer request reveal about A, his concern? Is there a B to that? Or? Yeah. Yes, there is a B. Okay. Anybody? Go ahead, Sister Elizabeth. Um, so what did Paul's prayer request reveal about his concerns? So he was concerned for his safety during the travel, which is very reasonable. Back then, so yeah. People and, and now. You know, then and now. You know, it's not like it's a very easy thing to travel through a lot of countries in that area professing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a very, it's something that's a big deal in a lot of different areas. So I could understand his concern for his safety. And then it said his desire, which was that he wanted safe passage, clearly. He wanted to be able to continue to live so that he could continue to spread the gospel. And he was also worried about the, um, the poor and the needy in Jerusalem not receiving him well, maybe being a little prideful of receiving help, especially from Gentiles. Mm. But he was hoping that they would be happy to receive the help that they were going to be getting. Under B of the last question here, I'm on 17. This is, no, 17B, his desire, his concern and his desire. According, are we good here on uh, 17? Anybody? Uh, number 18, according to the following passages, passages, how was Paul rescued from the unbelieving in Judea? Go ahead, Delaney. I 
I believe uh, it's because of the Pharisees and Sadducees got into it, am I right? Uh, where the Pharisees were believed in a resurrection, the, so the Romans had to get him out of there. Believe it or not, I had a same situation happen to me. I was, uh, uh, I didn't know at the time, but as I studied this, it occurred to me that it's very similar to what happened to Paul. I was getting fired at uh, Chrysler where I work for uh, hitting somebody on the head with a pipe. Uh, that that in itself is, you know, very very strange because I'm a, just not that type of person. But um, I was told that there's zero zero tolerance, you know, as far as this kind of thing is concerned. So he says, you consider yourself fired, okay? So they send me to the office, and. Uh, the, you might say I was the, I don't know if anybody prior to that, but this is 1972. So when I went up to the office, he says, Mr. Joanoski, we want you to know that you're fired, but we want to hear, brother, you brought it up, I got to share this. <laughs> we got to hear your side of the story. I go, my side of the story is simple. I'm a man of responsibility. I have a house. I have bills to pay. I came here to work. And I said, I wish, some, I wish the, the relief man would have the same kind of attitude instead of making racial slurs about black people. So you might say the office was filled with Pharisees and Sadducees. They were white uh, uh, general foremans and supervisors, and they were black general foremans and supervisors. And when I said that, they kind of looked at each other. And is that what happened? I go, why would I lie? There were other people there listening to all that. I couldn't take it anymore. So I conked them over the head with a pipe. <laughs> and uh, I said, he's, he's here to work, not to make racial slurs about. And he said, uh, all right, Mr. Joranowski, uh, thank you. Uh, go see your foreman. And when I went back, my, my foreman is shaking his head like this, you know. And I went like that. And I go, just give me my papers so I can get out of here. He said, no. He says, I got a phone call from the office. I'm going to put you back to work. He said, I have no idea what took place up there. <laughs> but he says, he, I was told by the office to put you back to work. Paul was caught in the same situation. <laughs> they had to get him out of there because here they are. You know, he's getting almost in danger of being trampled by the two opposing uh, 
Go ahead, brother. Brother Bob, uh, and there was also the other instance where he was lowered down yes, uh, in a yes. basket over the wall uh, to get him out of there. God bless you, Sister Elizabeth. This Take care. Drive Judea. carefully. This wasn't in, in Gentile territory. This is in, you know, in Israel, yeah, Israel uh, <coughs> territory. It was really something that Paul had to endure, you know, besides. Uh, he said, he, uh, from my own countryman, he was beaten, he was stoned, and then he had to be lowered uh, uh, in, a, in a basket to get away from people that have sworn, forsworn themselves to kill him. And uh, does that leave any room for us to complain? <clears throat> I shouldn't have said that. Um, we are, were reading what? Question number 18? Or are we on 19? Or 19? Romans 15, 29, 20. What do you sense Paul anticipated about his visit to Rome? Under A. Anybody? Go ahead, brother. Praise God. Brother uh, yes, sir. Bob, uh, Brother uh, uh, Ernie makes a good point. Coming in the fullness of Christ, what does that mean? Yeah. It kind of sounds like Paul had a great confidence in the ministry gifts. Yeah. Mm. Not in his ministry. Right. But in his ministry gifts that God has given him. And, and he had great uh, confidence in his calling. He's saying that when I come there, the Holy Spirit's coming with me. And God is going to minister to you. And now some people would take that, well, that sound, almost sounds a little arrogant, huh? But uh, you got to understand, Paul was a sold out yeah. individual. He, he sold out everything. And he believed in the ministry gifts. He believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He he know that they they weren't his gifts, but they but he was sent there to use those gifts. Amen. And uh, I think I think that's a point that needs to be uh, well taken. And and maybe uh, when we come to church, we should have that same attitude. You know, God's going to be there. God's oh, yeah. going to move. God's going to touch me. You know, God's going to bless me with what I need. Amen. Well, this has been this has been wonderful. Um, I I for one appreciate these uh, uh, studies or these lessons. I am very very uh, privileged to be uh, standing back here and uh, delivering uh, the uh, lesson to you. Uh, which I feel very, very privileged. That's it. Very privileged to share this with you. And it uh, builds us up. It strengthens us. It fortifies us. It helps us to grow in Christ. And it uh, changes us. It transforms us. 
oh, you could tell that we're coming to the end of Romans, right? Transforms us into his image and his likeness that when we see him, the Bible said we shall be like him. Brother Dave, could you please uh, dismiss us here and say whatever's on your mind? Thank you, brother.